0: We're going to start today with a conversation with William Su, co-founder and partner at Mucker Capital. William, welcome. Thank you. So let's get to know each other. You're, uh, uh, tell us about the fund, how big is the fund, about your uh, own background, preferences, etc. Let's uh, get to know each other as well as let's introduce you to our audience.
1: Sure. So, uh, let's start with the boring stuff, which is the uh, the stats of the fund. Um, we are a, a $55 million uh, C-stage and pre-C-stage venture fund based out mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Uh, we invest anywhere between uh, 15 to 20 companies a year, so slightly higher than most funds. Um, we invest. Um, at the very early stages. So for us, it's really anywhere from two guys and a piece of napkin, so really, really early, and we consider that pre-seed stage, and we often invest that out of our accelerator program. And then um, as high as, you know, millions of dollars in annual revenue, and typically in that case we will invest anywhere from $500,000 to a million dollars out of the fund. Um, we okay. are about fifty percent uh, consumer, and then fifty percent enterprise, um, and uh, we actually uh, invest uh, typically not in the valley. We about fifty percent of our portfolio is kind of Southern California, and another fifty percent uh, all across the uh, the United States. Okay, and yeah. um, 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 but.
0: Going.
1: Oh uh, and on the uh, the personal background part um I was born in Taiwan uh, I moved and immigrated to the US when I was 10 years old and spent uh most of my life actually uh uh in the Bay area um and then went to school at Stanford um as an engineer and then uh you know I uh, this is I graduated in the uh, beginning of the dot-com era um, in uh, kind of 98, and uh, yeah. like all these yeah. uh, kind of uh, naive uh, Internet kids at the time, uh, mm-hmm. we barely knew anything, but uh, we went out and just uh, started an Internet company. At 22, I raised uh, close to $55 million and started an Internet company um, that focused on building a saas software company for the commercial construction industry. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: It's up for for a few years, and then the market crashed in 2001. And uh, um, I had to be replaced, so my my VC fired me and uh, and hired uh, people with gray hair to kind of run the company since I was fairly uh, you know, able to drink. <laughs> and uh, and then I uh, I uh, I went to business school for a couple years. Uh, started my career over again. Um, worked at a, a few pre-IPO Internet companies and eventually ended up working at uh, AT&T as a senior vice president, uh, chief product officer for a division of, of AT&T. Um, and in 2011, um, I left AT&T thinking I was going to go and start a software Internet company again, because that's what I really love to do. Uh, but instead, uh, got roped by my partner into, uh, founding a venture capital firm instead. So, mm-hmm. uh, five years later, um, we are here. Um, we are on our fourth fund. So, uh, we have a little bit of a track record. We have about 75 portfolio companies to date. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, and that's it.
0: So let's uh, let's talk about the current portfolio. What have you invested in? How do you decide what to invest in? Let's. I'd like to understand your thought process. So uh, as you talk about the putf- highlights of your current portfolio, uh, give us some window into why you chose to invest in that particular company. How did it evolve? And if you had any notable exits, you can discuss that as well. So, not just you know names of companies and um, industries, but a little bit more of your thought process of how you arrived at those conclusions. Sure.
1: Um, some of our portfolio companies include companies like Trunk uh, Club, uh, which was uh, stored sold to Nordstrom, CashRabbit, uh, yep. uh, stuff so like um Surfair, uh, which is uh, um, pretty well known in California as a uh, as an alternative uh, short haul air carrier. Um, Service Timing, a large uh, staff company for commercial construction industry, um, a e-commerce uh, discount engine called uh, Honey, um, and 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 a few others. Um, how do we think about making a message? Um, The first criteria we look for are teams that are um, nimble and agile, um, that's quick on their feet, um, ability to experiment, uh, understand the data that's coming from the market, uh, quickly pivot, and then go back into the market again. Um, For that, the iteration velocity is super important to us because we invest so early in the sounding cycle um, that typically whatever the original hypothesis about the company, or that it's the problem that trying to solve, the product, the sets the pricing, the messaging, um, some, if not all of it, is probably wrong, and that's okay mm-hmm. as long as uh, the entrepreneur is light on their feet and can iterate out of a jam. And so we look for teams that are not only kind of, I call them uh, fully functional, i.e. Um, have a CTO, a product person, potentially a go-to-market person where that's marketing at sales um, mm. so that they can kind of go through this cycle really fast. Um, and then uh, we look for teams that's very, very low on burn so that they have um, as much time as they need, typically anywhere from kind of 12 to 21, four months, to really mm-hmm. iterate. To kind of the final success, right? So the faster you can run, and the more time you have to run, uh, the more likely you are to success to to kind of create success. So um, we we look for kind of that very basic thing in the very beginning because we're so early in the investment cycle.
0: Yeah. So, can you take us through um, a couple of case studies, let's say Trump Club and TaskRabbit, two of your big success stories? At what stage did they come to you and did they have to pivot out of their original hypothesis and how did the, that evolution um, flow from your side? Sure.
1: So, um, you know, it's probably uh, more helpful to talk about companies that are newer. Sure. Um, I think Chunk Club and TaskRabbit and has been around uh, for geez, maybe seven, eight years now, right? So um, a lot of the newer kind of methodologies weren't really employed mm-hmm. back then, right? That was when Lean Startup, was is starting to become a, uh, a, yep. a a conversational topic, right? So um, I give you an example a company called uh, Honey. Um,
0: it is...
1: Uh, Got over 100 employees now um, doing, you know, tens of millions of dollars in revenue, um, mm-hmm. actually close to, to monthly revenue, so doing really, really well, tens of millions in monthly revenue, so doing really, really well. And um, it took them about a year and a half to two years to really find their footing. Um, at one point, um, one of the founders had actually had to go find a job. Right. You know you mm-hmm. hear all these success stories of you know people with their eureka moment, and then within three months they raise five million dollars and off they go they're their unicorn in twenty four months that's um, so a great story, but they are outliers for a reason um it takes hard yeah. work at times to kind of figure it out right so the teams at honey um they they couldn't figure out a way to monetize their, pro, uh, their product. So honey offers a a browser plugin um, that is installed on a browser as a plugin slash app. It helps you um, discover uh, new coupon codes, coupon codes as you check out across the site, and therefore maximize your savings as you buy things online. Right, very simple idea. Um, in the beginning, the plugin went viral, and lots of people started downloading it. Um, and it became uh, quite of a hit. Uh, But, um, you know, they weren't able to figure out a monetization model, so they weren't able to scale out Mm -hmm. either the paid marketing or even the team. Um, They could have easily quit and decided that, you know, there's nothing here for the business to build. Uh, But instead they figured out, hey, why don't we be cockroaches? We'll just let the application continue to grow virally while we find other ways to kind of fund ourselves. One of the founders actually uh, uh, went and got a job. And when the company hit close to a million users, uh, they finally had some market power, and they were able Mm -hmm. to go to e-commerce retailers um, and partner with them directly for uh, marketing, co-marketing campaigns, as well as uh, affiliate marketing uh, uh, relationships. Once they started generating revenue, they were able to take that revenue and invest it back into acquiring new users. And then the company took off even faster after that. Um, And today, um, they're close to about 5 million users uh, using the platform. Um,
0: So, um, so you know, before we go Go on, I'd like to actually uh, suggest that you um, send that company to me so that we can cover them in our Entrepreneur Journeys series where we do, you know, very lengthy, deep stories of entrepreneur journeys. Uh, um, it sounds like uh, a yeah. very interesting entrepreneur journey. Well, uh, well
1: I am happy to connect you to the entrepreneur.
0: And and the other thing you said that I find interesting, I'd like to probe a little bit, is, uh, you know, uh, we practice in our program, we practice a methodology called bootstrapping with a paycheck. And we actually support entrepreneurs who are starting companies on the side, just to, what you said, is just to get a long runway to be able to experiment and find that product market fit. And often it takes a long time. It's not an overnight process. It's not a three-month process. It sometimes takes 18 months, 24 months to really find a good product market fit. And, um, and there are very few methods of bootstrapping during that period. And as a result, we have, um, you know, learned from working with entrepreneurs and their journeys that bootstrapping with a paycheck has worked for many people, and we started practicing this in our program, and it's working for our entrepreneurs as well. So it's very, very good to hear that um, you actually supported an entrepreneur who needed to go back and get a job and, and bootstrap with a paycheck while he was seeking that product market fit. So uh, congratulations. Yeah, no. it's, it's out of the box thinking, and I congratulate you for that. No,
1: no, not at all. I mean, you know, the in if you're starting a company in the Bay Area, um, there's a lot of angel investment money, a lot of VC. We're um, based in Los Angeles, and the capital markets are just not as efficient. So, um, well, it's, it's not, not just Los people. Angeles. There's most of the money. world
0: operates like
1: that. <laughs> Absolutely. right. So the most of the world is like Los Angeles. Where there is not a VC on every corner of the, bill, of the of the shopping mall, right? So, yes. entrepreneur has okay. to be creative and they have to find a way to kind of build their business that is not, you know, what you read in Tech lunch, right? yes. and, and we 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 encourage, we support that, um, and and it's it's something that's uh, it's the reality of life for entrepreneurs. So um, there's, there's no shame in doing it at all.
0: So um, switching gears, my next question is about trends that you see in your deal flow. So we are at the very beginning of 2018. You have, let's say, you've been in business for several years. You are on your fourth fund. So if you look at the deal flow for 2017, what trends do you see? What are entrepreneurs working on? What is interesting? What should we pay attention to?
1: Sure. So, um... Let me talk about the things that I I see quite a lot. Um, Entrepreneurs um, spend a lot of time kind of talking to each other and and kind of pattern-matching successful companies that's getting funded. So oftentimes, um, you know, they follow a trend, probably a little too blindly than I like. Um, For example, the beginning of 2017, there were tons of kind of, Augmented reality and virtual reality companies um, that quickly shifted to drones, um, and then mm-hmm. at the latter half, middle part of the year, uh, there were a bunch of you kind of chatbot type companies. Yeah. And then at the end yeah. of the year, uh, we were seeing uh, more kind of I call it um, kind of AI and and SaaS companies. Um, yeah. Yeah. Trends are interesting and they're good, especially if they have a platform paradigm shift from the end user perspective that creates new opportunities for distribution and monetization. Um, they're terrible when there is no data around actual user uh, uh, adoption, and yeah. they're purely kind of a an investment trend because um, typically yeah. at some point you got to figure out how to acquire users and make money nobody on the platform, then you don't even have the basic ingredients with the stats. Um So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, trends are great for curating the thinking, um, but in the end, as an entrepreneur, when you think about what company to start what problem you need to solve, um, it's still back to kind of basic one-on-one problems, right, um, which is how big is the opportunity, how painful um, is the problem you're trying to solve? Um, Is it recognized broadly across the enterprise if it is an enterprise solution? Or is it ten times better than the previous solution if it's a consumer solution? And that's really the only way you're going to exact change in behavior or purchasing pattern in your end customer. And those questions need to be answered whether it is an AI company or a Bitcoin company or a cryptocurrency company or or a chatbot company.
0: Um, Yeah. You know, our uh, philosophy uh, in 1 million by 1 million is uh, entrepreneurship equals customers' revenues and profits. Financing is optional. (laughs) Exit is optional. So we focus very heavily on, you know, making sure that customers are willing to pay for what is it that you're selling. And and, uh, whatever it is that you're doing, that is the fundamental, um, you know, belief system of our program.
1: But it's a so, fundamental belief of any uh, capitalist system, right? They, uh, should be. It's not. Gospel. In Silicon Valley, that <laughs> is
0: not. Silicon Valley w- w- operates on venture welfare, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know, in the end, uh, the funny
1: thing is that if you're very able to prove in product market fit and you're raising money simply for distribution and go-to-market, they um, see that story quite a lot, too, right? If you look at our portfolio company, a lot of them are, you know, based out, probably based out outside of the valley, but at some point, whether it's Series A or Series B, they get... They come a to raise money. Yeah, they, they raise money from they the second valley, and they're able to do it um, when they're so far away, you know, not because the founders go to the same cocktail party at the VC, but because it's a great business, okay? The customer yeah. love it, the out churn, the users are retaining, and the money that's being raised is going to be invested in scale rather than trying to figure out product market fit or, or some sort of uh, employee welfare, um, it is really expensive to grow the <laughs> company, right? And if that's the case, you know, that's a lot of experts of VCs too, and they love it.
0: Yeah. So um, switching gears again on the line of questioning, how do you process the current investment climate? where capital is moving further and further upstream, how does a seed investor, in your case, even a pre-seed investor, mitigate the Series A gap?
1: Yeah, so um, I, we are somewhat of a contrarian in the VC world. Um, most successful VCs, um, the way they make more money is to raise a bigger and a larger fund. And when you mm-hmm. do that, um, you're forced to invest in later stage companies, and right. um, if I'm simply thinking about my checkbook and the state I'm making for my investors and my fund, that's obviously what I should be doing. Um, we, Eric and I, are both my partners and I are both um, entrepreneurs first and VC second. We see. We saw us building Mucker as an entrepreneurial venture. Like we think of ourselves as an entrepreneur first. We started Mucker; It's a company that we started just like any other company. So we like this early stage. We like the stage where are in. So um, we are raising bigger funds than we were before, but we're staying as early as possible. As other VCs move upstage, upstream, we're actually going as downstream as we can. And by raising a bigger fund, we are able to continue to invest in our company in consecutive rounds by ourselves, right? So that means that we can put in 150 k on the first check, another 200 k maybe 12 months later, and then another 500
0: uh,
1: six months later. So we can support mm-hmm. our companies longer and help them bridge the gaps we pay. Um
0: So you are basically example, doing, planning to do it all yourself, as opposed to
1: Until depending
0: on the outside ecosystem. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and and we do
1: that uh, not out of, you know, welfare, as you call it. Um, we set very tough milestones for our company. And they yep. make that milestone. Yep. Um, they can either go out and raise money from someone else, or they can take our money. If they don't hit that milestone, then no amount of begging will, then will, will help them get money from us. So right. we don't want our follow-on investment to be an emotional decision. It is a purely quantitative decision, and we come to that quantitative milestone without yeah. entrepreneurs collectively. Yeah. Right. So it's it yeah. the right incentives, the right goals, and the right way to work together and make, you know, running a business a, a, a business exercise rather than an emotional
0: how do you parse unicorn mania? As a seed investor, you could get buried under later stage liquidation preferences. How do you protect yourself?
1: Um, we we have a large enough fund now to continue to pur- take parada and 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 kind of continue to maintain our ownership and continue to uh, have preference on the on the on the on the capital stack. Um, and also, oftentimes, because we come in so early into the company, um, we can make 10x, 100x way before our company becomes a unicorn. So, oftentimes, we will think about exiting an investment um, even before the company has liquidity as they raise their gigantic growth rounds. Right? Companies yes. are raising $100, $200 million rounds. You know, it's time for us to think about exiting into those rounds rather than holding on for another yeah. two, three years. And I think holding
0: that, that is a, I think that is a so, common um, wisdom that is emerging in the uh, you know early stage, pre-seed, seed stage, uh, small funds is that if you are going to have to go, you know, three years before uh, you know the large funding starts it's okay and, and it's a good idea to often start exiting well before the actual exit occurs. So in a way, the early stage and the late stage investment cycles uh, in the venture capital business are splitting up. I think the early stages are exiting yes. into the late stages, and this is I think this is going to be continue to be a, a major trend in the investment cycles.
1: Yeah, so if you if you think about it, 20 years ago when I was starting companies, companies were going public at 500, 600 million dollars in valuation, right? and VCs okay. were exiting into those IPO rounds. So today, okay. when a company is a unicorn, they're really a lot larger than companies that were going public 20 years ago. So yeah. the natural so exit for A C at least back then, where was anywhere between 500 to a billion dollars, and you know, those VCs are making good money doing so. So, you know, certainly it's case by case, but at early-stage VC can make good money and support great entrepreneurs uh, by, yeah. you know, yeah. selling through mm-hmm. rounds of valuation of anywhere between half to a, a billion dollars. Yeah.
0: yeah. So um, last question on trends. Um, one of my observations is that at the beginning of 2018, we are – you know, a good, more than 20 years into the history of the Internet, the commercial Internet. We are in more than 10 years into the history of the smartphones. A lot of stuff has been built already. Nowadays there aren't so many wide-open opportunities out there to build very large companies, but there are many niche opportunities and some of these businesses need to be built with small amounts of capital let's say one or two million dollars and exited for 10 to 15 million or even smaller you know invest 250k $50, 500k sell for 5 to 10 million are these types of investment opportunities on your radar is this something that you have appetite for
1: um i'm Yes and no. Um, I don't need to find unicorns, um, but I would like to find companies that could eventually be worth 100, 200 million dollars. Um, okay. When it is okay. 15, 20, 30, it's probably too small for us. Um, but mm-hmm. 200, okay. 300, perfectly fine, um, as long well as the cap the company is capital efficient and they can. Build their business with just our capital, um, and then grow organically through cash flow. But so totally down for that kind of investment um, the expectation. So can the you success,
0: that's Go ahead. can you put some quantitative uh, parameters around that? You know, 200, 300 million dollar exit for a good, healthy 200, 300 million dollar exit where everybody makes good money. What is the optimum amount of capital invested in your opinion? What kind of revenue levels do you target?
1: Sure. So, um, depending on category, right? So, let's say it's a SaaS company or selling some sort of enterprise software solution. Um, Typically, anywhere from 20 to 40 million in annual revenue um,
0: Mm -hmm. would
1: be good enough. To get anywhere from you know 100 to even 300 million in valuation. Um, mm-hmm. When it is a commerce business or selling some sort of product that has a, a cost of goods, um, you probably have to get to um, closer to 100 million in revenue um, to get a like, 200, 300 million dollars in, in valuation. Um, Software businesses are a lot more capital efficient because there's more inventory costs. So Mm -hmm. if you're looking for an opportunity that is sub-unicorn inside, try to find businesses without an inventory or a cost cost of goods. To build a $100 million e-commerce business, you probably need to have a balance sheet of at least $25 million to support the inventory. As a software company, um, you can get to, I've seen this, you can get to $20 million in annual revenue with five employees.
0: Yes, uh, uh, yeah. software companies can be very capital efficient. So what uh, what is your assessment about the optimal amount of capital that you put into a software company to get to 20000000 million, let's say, in revenue?
1: Um, I think you probably need – Anywhere from a million to five million dollars mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and that depends on your price point and your sales cycle. If you can sell a high price point product and, and, and sell and close the sale within sixty days, um, you can generate cash flow fast enough to invest in growth without needing capital to hire people. Um, yeah. to kind of support yeah. the sales cycle. And if yeah. that's the case, um, you know, we we'll have a company uh, called uh, Service Height, and um, they raised about 500000 and that was mm-hmm. enough to get them mm-hmm. to about $10 million in annual revenue.
0: Yeah. You know, my thesis on this smaller opportunities, non-unicorns, smaller opportunities, but those that I think are still fine for venture funds, especially small venture funds, is that, you know, you develop a product. The product has maybe 200 million TAM. You get product market fit, get to 10, 20 million in revenue, and do the rest of the scaling through somebody else's channel, who is going to acquire you as a strategic acquisition and can reap the benefits of the rest of the TAM as opposed to you investing in the full channel development to get to much larger uh, scale. Because developing a channel is a very expensive process.
1: Yeah, there are are software-only private equity shops out there now that specializes in, I call it acquiring companies in the 100 to $200 million range and putting together with other companies in that same range and then creating unicorns out of them. And oftentimes they will have a decently diverse portfolio of products and type of customers,
0: um, yep. and
1: that's fine. Yep. Uh, Privateer shops like Vista and K1 um, have made yes. this uh, a very okay. successful formula for them.
0: And and also I think even I, I even larger are. companies are looking for stuff like that, you know? hmm
1: Yep. Yep. You know, yep, yep, there's there's a there's gonna be more and more of that opportunity. Um VCs essentially selling their companies um to private equity shops, um it's becoming more and more common. Yeah. And so in, All the, right. in addition to strategic, there will be financial buyers too.
0: Right. So there are both strategic buyers and financial buyers for this class of companies, and it's a perfectly fine investment opportunity. It's the point that I wanted to make with you and, and for, for our audience is that please don't be so, you know, swayed by this whole unicorn phenomenon and, you know, that VCs would only be uh, looking at the unicorn phenomenon. Because right now the industry has changed, and in the early stages, there are a good 5, 600 micro VCs or small funds that are operating with – some are still operating with the unicorn philosophy. Many of these small funds are still looking to participate in the unicorn phenomenon. But there are – I am now seeing firms emerging that are willing to look at different models that are more contemporary, more relevant to what's happening in the current universe. So – I'm I'm very glad to hear that you are, uh, you know, amenable and, uh, you know, open to these kinds of opportunities.
1: If you find uh, VCs outside of the Bay Area, um, I bet you'll find that uh, these are all very uh, amenable strategies for them. Um, Capital, it's it's not easy to raise 50 million million outside of the Bay Area. So the company has to find a way to be efficient.
0: Yes, yes, Absolutely. All right, Um, let's switch to the mentoring portion of the uh, program today. Thank you, William, for sharing your uh, perspective.